All donations to Two True Freaks do quite literally go to keeping the lights on here at DeManzacore headquarters. We sincerely appreciate this month's donation of two whole cents, all the way from Decatur, Georgia, sent in by listener... Ah, heartbreaker. Send more money. I sense a disturbance in the force. You always sense a disturbance in the force. We're doomed. I don't like this. Really pissed me off. Oh no! <laughs> it's a trap! Chewie, get us out of here! You can't run. Ow! Help me! Or two! This is where the fun begins. And now. Together by live simulation via the internet. Scott Gardner and Chris Honeywell. I thought you might say that. Hello and welcome to Star Wars Monthly Monday number 31. I'm Chris Honeywell and I am here with Scott Gardner. Hey! Hey. And we are ready for another month of Star Wars. Yes. Big Star Wars. It's been big Star Wars doings. So big that there was even a little Star Wars bleed through between... Last monthly Monday and this monthly Monday with uh, Scott's on-the-spot reporting of uh, Star <laughs> Tours opening back up. Yes. And we will have a little bit more uh, Star Tours uh, a little bit later in the show. But uh, first, right out of the gate, as promised, I wanted to uh, announce the winner of our big, massive, awesome Star Wars contest. Finally, man. Yeah, I know. And... Uh, we had one submission that got every single question correct, so he is the big winner, and that is drum roll, please. Michael Cormanic of Huntington Station, New York. Michael Bailey, tell the audience what Michael Cormanic has won. Well, Scott, Michael has won the Star Wars Trilogy, a collection of the original three film novelizations. Tatooine Ghost by Troy Denning. Star Wars, Episode 1, The Phantom Menace by Terry Brooks. Heir to the Empire by Timothy Zahn. Dark Force Rising by Timothy Zahn. The King James Bible by Timothy Zahn. The Last Command by Timothy Zahn. A copy of our home game. A case of turtle wax. Puppies. A year's supply of rice The San Francisco treat. And a 1969 Corvair. Chris Honeywell's wardrobe provided by Hobos with Shotguns. Scott Gardner's wardrobe provided by Kathy Lee Gifford's Asian children that make all of her clothes. It's a super prize package worth $9,388. And yeah, I just ah. I just want to say good good work, Mr. Kermanic. That was, you know, seventy five questions, and every one of them, like right, you know, we didn't even have to make like 
you know, that close call where you go, ah, well, it's all, you know, it's, is it close enough? No, he nailed 75 questions on the nose. So good work, man. Mm-hmm. And all of those books, hardcover editions, yes. too. So uh, you earned it. Yeah. So, you know, be sure to keep listening, folks, for your chance to win some awesome Star Wars swag from Two True Freaks in the future. And moving right along in this episode, I want to throw out both a plug and huge, huge, huge thanks to our our new buddy, our new friend, our new colleague, Andy Leland. He's one half of the very, very awesome Hey Kids Comics podcast. And uh, it's funny, just before we got started, uh, we were uh, chatting with, uh, with Michael Bailey. And uh, Michael and I uh, are, are sharing an addiction right now, and that is an addiction to Hey Kids Comics. We're both listening through the uh, backlog of episodes. Michael's a little bit further along than I am, but uh, just really, really digging the show. If you guys haven't checked out Hey Kids Comics, check it out. It's it's very, very good. But uh, Andy and his son, they do... Uh, his son's name's Michael, right? Sure. I believe that's right, yeah. And uh, they do uh, the show where, you know, they just cover different comics that, that they're into, you know, different characters or different subjects or whatever. And just doing it from a father-son, you know, different generations approach. And uh, I really, really dig the it's show. Fun. Anyway. Yeah, they obviously the... have fun doing it. So that's what that's what makes it, you know. Yeah, absolutely. They're yeah, they're having themselves. Yeah. They're having fun. They're enjoying themselves, and so it's enjoyable for the listener. Absolutely, I, I really, I'm really digging the show. So the other day, out of the blue, I get a package from Andy, and he sent me. This is my first ever one of these, and I was just, oh, it's just awesome, and it's a great issue to be my first issue. Star Wars Weekly ah, number thirty-two. Yeah, this I is... busted my cherry like a year <laughs> back on those. Oh, this is just awesome. This is the Marvel UK Star Wars title. You know, the the, the one that's published over or was published over in the uh, United Kingdom back in the 70s and 80s. And it's just great. It has a beautiful cover on it by, uh, I'm not sure which Buscema, but it's Buscema and Jansen. So it's Klaus Jansen on the inks. I'm not sure which Buscema this would have been doing the... Uh, the pencils but it's just gorgeous really cool looking cover this is this issue the startling secret of the droid hunter and and it's uh all black and white but it's it looks like it's all taken from uh issue number 16 you know in in america it was issue 16 of star wars and this was the valance the cyborg story where he was hunting down uh jackson the rabbit and amaza to try to figure out you know to try to find out about the boy and his droid and then it turned out that you know he had the wrong the wrong boy and his droid that it was you know jim the star killer kid and all you know that whole story we covered it way 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 back in an old issue of uh, or an old episode rather of star wars monthly monday you can go back and listen to but this is it's just awesome because not only was that a really good issue with really really good art but man in black and white there's something about this. It really pops. It really looks cool. You know, the, it's got the, yep. the the gray tones and all that. It's just really beautiful stuff. I love the, the really neat ads I've never seen before. And then, you know, they really pack a lot of stuff into these, uh, these UK comics because there's a Star-Lord strip in here by yep. Carmine Infantino. The art's just beautiful. 
There's a 007 strip. Ooh. Oh, wait, no I'm, no, I'm sorry. No, I'm wrong. This is actually, this is an ad. I thought this was a strip. Because oh. the strip actually, or the ad, rather, actually looks like it's a strip, but it's it's actually just an advertisement. Um, so, yeah, this is uh, Star-Lord, and then um, I think there's another story in here, too. Yes, yeah, Seeker 3000 with art by uh, Tom Sutton. Who I'm not usually all that crazy about, but this actually is really nice. I really there was like one the art backup this. story in one of mine that was some John Byrne art. Yeah, I remember you telling me about 3, that. Th- was it Rog Three Thousand or Rog yeah. something? It had a robot very much like that, very much looking like him. But I don't think it was actually him. Yeah, that was that story. would have been a, um, a a Charlton character. Rog was it Three Thousand? I forget. Something Rog like something Thousand. Yeah, but um. Yeah, oh, this I'm, I, 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 this, this is the horrible thing about these weeklies, though, is like I got a whole, I got two separate eBay auctions. The first one where I got the first, like number one, and then like number three and five for like three dollars or something, you know, like ninety nine cents a piece, and this auction, you know, and. Then they combined ship. It ended up costing me like five dollars for the those three issues, and then I got it like nine or ten of them for like five dollars again. And then I've never been able to find another cheap auction for the goddamn things after that. It's they're right. all they're all you know ten fifteen dollars a piece, sometimes more if they're if they're the ones with the uh, stories that never got published over here, the Star Wars stories that never got published over here. Those ones go for a pretty penny. So it's like I've got a, I've got like a little bit of a, I've got, you know, the first few, I've got a whole sort of for the first 50 of them, just sort of an assortment, you know, just a, a sort of tease until, you know, I, I find, but I'm always watching, always waiting because man, they're great. And all the, the, the pin, there's pinup art sometimes in it and there's um, alternate covers and all the the british ads from that time period which it's weird enough because it's another country but then it's also from another time another (laughs) time and another country (laughs) and uh yeah they're just awesome and they have that format that's just they're a little wider and a little shorter than than american comics you know so they're you know they're they're bordering on magazine size uh it's just awesome yeah, the, I'm. I was thrilled with this, and uh, I, I, this will definitely spawn an addiction. Although it's like you say, I mean, you got just a hell of a hell of a good break on those ones that you got because <laughs> and never got another I, break afterwards. Yeah, yeah. I, I keep a constant watch on those on eBay, and I never see them pop up at you know halfway reasonable prices. They're always crazy expensive. Well, even so. if they're only like four or five bucks a pop. Then a lot of the times the big expense comes from from shipping because they're shipping, coming from yeah. the UK a lot of times, and that ain't cheap to to ship stuff from the even if it is just a comic book. So all right. the ones I got were from like the first ones were from an estate sale, so it was somebody who didn't know what they were. I just can't believe nobody else jumped on them. Right, um, and the other ones were from the United States too. So that that's I think maybe kept down. My, uh, I don't know what it was. I was just in the right place at the right time, and now I'm just <laughs> waiting for lightning to strike again. 
Well, this was uh, totally unsolicited and totally unexpected and totally awesome. So big thanks to uh, to Andy uh, Leland. I really, really appreciate it, dude. That was very awesome of you. And uh, thank you so much. It, it totally made my day because for a long time I've wanted, and I didn't even care which issue it was. You know, I just wanted to have one for my collection just yeah. to say I had one, you know. Yeah. So to get one that you know features one of my favorite characters from the series and you know has a, a different perspective on the art and a whole new cover and a pinup and everything else that's just that's you know so cool just gravy I loved it so again thank you very much for that and the big goings on down here the big doings the the talk of the town is uh, the premiere of Star Tours. As you were saying, Chris, you know, I, I, I did the little, you know, reporting from the field type of thing when I went and, and got to check the ride out, you know, as a as a cast preview. Well, at this point, you know, it's it's actually debuted and everything. It's, Unfortunately, it's sadly for me, I, I I missed the first weekend of Star Wars weekends. I, I won't go into it too much, other than to say I was deeply disappointed. I was supposed to be off so that I could actually attend the dedication ceremony and everything and some things happened and I was not able to go and I was deeply disappointed. But just yesterday morning, I got to go to a, uh, a special event that was held for cast members, you know, that you, you could win a place in it, basically. It was a contest and uh, and I won a spot in it where it was uh, by invitation only where you could go to Disney's Hollywood Studios early in the morning and basically have the run of the park for about two hours and it was a a special star tours event and i went and i was amazed by the low turnout i mean maybe not maybe there weren't a whole lot of winners to this thing i I don't know but when i went i mean it was virtually empty and i really felt like well this was between seven and nine a.m so before the park even (laughs) opened but still you know i really thought there'd be a lot of people there because I thought there'd be a lot of winners, but maybe there just wasn't that many spots given out. I'm not sure. Maybe but, that's really early in the. Maybe you know it, it's hard for a lot of people to make it that early. Yeah, maybe. yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. But it was awesome because you know I'd, I'd already ridden the ride. I'd only ridden it the one time, and I'd been itching to go back and ride it again. Well, this was perfect. You know, we were we were led into the park very early and so i got in there and i was right at the ride at seven o'clock and there was hardly anybody there and so what they were doing was they were letting us go in and when i went and wrote it before for the for the cast member preview we went in through a special door you know through the back you know backstage and everything and were let out into the queue area well this time everything was open so you actually entered it just as you know everybody would you know you went through the main queue and everything and went through got to ride it and i lost count of how many times i rode it in a row i just kept riding it and riding it because they would let you ride it get off you know go through the exit you know and come out in the in the gift shop and tattooing traders and then if you wanted to you could go and get right back in the line again and the cool thing was there was no line you know i mean there were so few people there that you could literally just go and get right back in and get right back on the ride and ride it again so i rode it over and over and over and was just having a blast. So by this point, and and this is where I, I, I want to warn right right now. You know, the the first time I talked about this, I was totally spoiler free. I didn't want to spoil anything. Well, at this point, 
Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna spoil some things, you know, because the ride has officially opened now, so I don't feel like I'm giving away any trade secrets or anything like that. So, if you don't want to be spoiled on the new Star Tours, skip ahead, say five minutes, just to make sure you know I don't spoil anything for you. Make it seven or eight minutes away, Scott. Talks. <laughs> Basically, the the way the new one ride, you know, when you actually are on the ride vehicle, there's two new sequences you know two possible sequences that open the ride one where you know you start to ride and stormtroopers come out and try to halt your vehicle and way off in the distance you can see the millennium falcon sitting in the same docking bay that you are and you can see a little figure that looks like it's han solo and he's trying to bs his way out of a confrontation with stormtroopers that goes badly and a, a laser fight ensues. He runs into the Falcon, and then the Falcon shoots out of the bay. And then you go out right after it. That's one of the openings. The other one is where Darth Vader and a squadron of stormtroopers come and actually confront you because you're carrying a rebel agent on board the Star Tour ship, and Vader wants the rebel agent. So those are the two different opening scenarios. From there, you jump into hyperspace, and you've got three different options for planets you can go to, one of them being Hoth, which was the first one that I had ever done. That one is absolutely amazing. The Hoth one is really, really cool. The other two are Tatooine, and that's the one where a lot of people have seen some of the footage that came out quite a while ago of the pod racing sequence. That's pretty neat. I enjoyed that one quite a bit. But of all of them... It's kind of hard to choose between Hoth and the third one, but I think this one's probably going to end up being my favorite just because it's a planet I always really wanted to see in Star Wars, and we finally got just a tiny taste of, and that was uh, Kashyyyk, the Wookiee planet. That one's really, really cool. My only problem is I only got that planet one time riding the ride over and over again, and I'm not sure if it was my positioning on the ride because I was really close to the screen or what but it seemed like it moved a little bit too fast to make out a lot of detail sometimes but again it might have been just where I was actually sitting on the ride but that was pretty cool and then there's a sequence after that where you're contacted by one of three holograms and of those I've seen two of the three and one of them is Yoda. That was the first one I ever saw. That one's pretty neat, pretty impressive. And the other one I saw, and this one completely blows me away, is Princess Leia. And she looks like she looks in the original Star Wars, you know, when, when she was the little, you know, help me Obi-Wan hologram. I don't know how they did this effect. I mean, it totally looks like a young Carrie Fisher if it's CGI, it's the most amazing CGI I've ever seen in my life because it's completely realistic and believable. It really looks like they got a 19-year-old Carrie Fisher to come and film a new scene for this thing. I, I just, I'm just flabbergasted by it. I, I don't know how they did it. But and we must find out if it was an actress. Yeah, I would we love to know. We must find out who she is. <laughs> You know, the voiceover for it is very close to Carrie Fisher, but I can tell it's not her. So it, it's definitely a really good mimic actress, you know, that, that really does a great young Carrie Fisher voice. But it's not Carrie Fisher, and I can tell it's not like present-day Carrie Fisher either because uh, yeah, it sounds like on. she's smoked about 5,000 exactly. marbles in the in the inter, you know interviewing years. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're yeah. my only hope. 
But it's it's amazing. I mean, you you have to see it to believe it because I saw it and I was just like, how did they do this? You know. And then there's one that I haven't seen yet that uh, General Kenobi, uh, your father and I. (coughs) (laughs) (laughs) Oh Christ! But there's a there's a third one that's uh, uh, reportedly Admiral Akbar. I haven't seen that one yet, but I really want to see that one because that should be a hoot. I really like Admiral Akbar, and I sure hope he's going to say it's a trap. It's a trap. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. Because that joke never gets old. Somewhere at Admiral uh, Akbar sitting in the room going, It's a trap, it's a trap. If I have to say it's a trap one more time, I'm going to kick somebody's ass. It's a trap! <laughs> say it's a trap, Akbar, say it's a trap. It's a trap! Don't they know I know more? I'm, I'm a trained Shakespearean actor. God damn it. So the last <laughs> sequence is, um, you know, you, you go into hyperspace again, and you've got one of three possible end locations. And this would be my only, I, I hate to use the word complaint because it's not really a complaint, but it was definitely an issue for me is every single time I rode this thing, I kept getting the same location, which was Naboo over and over and over again. And I, I mean, it's great. It's an awesome sequence, but it was like, all right, you know, I wasn't all that crazy about Naboo in the first place. And I want to see the other two locations, but I just kept getting Naboo over and over again, no matter what combination the other scenes were in finally on the last time that i wrote it i finally got the one that i really wanted to see the most which was depending on where you look at lists of this it calls it different things i had seen it listed somewhere as it was being geonosis other places call it the death star but what it is is you come out of hyperspace and you're above geonosis just like obi-wan was in episode two where it's the the asteroid field and Boba Fett shows up in the Slave One and chases you through the asteroid field just like in Episode 2. And at some point, you, there's a break in the asteroids and you come out and there's the Death Star under construction. And then you're chased through the Death Star by Darth Vader. That's and pretty it cool. Was, oh, it was amazing. And uh, Boba Fett even sets off one of the uh, those sonic charges like he did in episode two. So you've got that big wow sound and all that. And it was just, oh, it was amazing. I, you know, as much as I'm, I'm loving the ride already, that sequence was really cool. So the neat thing is, is here I've ridden it all these times and there's still, you know, two sequences I haven't seen. I haven't seen the Akbar hologram and there's another end sequence, which is uh, a flight through Coruscant. I haven't seen that one yet either. So... Well, it gives yeah, you something still... to shoot for. That's the thing. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. It's so... designed for. It's probably designed to stymie even people who are do it. Did what you did and go see it over and over and over again. Right. You know? Absolutely. Just so like it's... trading cards. So I've got a treat for the listeners at the end. I'm going to put this at the end of the episode. But at the end of the episode, I had so much time there, and and it was so nice that there were so few people there that I literally stood in the opening queue where the uh, Star Speeder is, is being worked on by R2 and 3PO. And I stood there and I recorded the entire loop. It's about 20 minutes or so. And it was just great. And I just stood there and I was you know alone for most of it. So there's very little you know background noise or noise from other people coming through. You know, where this is just audio you, you just are not going to get by going to the park 
and and watching it for yourself because you're going to be in a line with hundreds of other people who right, are right, all right, having right, their right, conversations and yeah. yeah exactly so this is as close as you're going to get you know short of you know when some sort of official audio comes out or audio from you know the files or something like that you know so i recorded all of that and then i recorded a healthy chunk not the entire loop but i recorded a healthy chunk of stuff that was in the second area you know, the um the luggage handling and security checkpoint area. Um, there's a droid there that just makes some great jokes and one-liners and, and things like that. And I, I enjoyed that. So I recorded some of that, but not all of it because by that point it was getting a little late. It was getting a little close to open and people started to filter in. So there was a little bit more background noise. Plus I didn't want to stand around for another 20 minutes to catch a whole nother loop. So at some point, you know, I'll try to get over there and, and, and get the second loop, you know, so you can hear it. And then I also uh, recorded two of the rides that I took while I was there, so you'd be able to hear, you know, some of the some of the audio from the actual ride, you know, and the and the planets that we go to and stuff like that. So you know, that'll all be at the end of the show. So if you don't want to be spoiled or anything, you know, you can you can easily skip it at the end. But uh, I, I thought it was enjoyable, and you guys would get a kick out of it. So look forward to that at the end. Cool. But uh, Star Tours, it's funny because I would love to know what they're actually officially calling the ride because I've seen different names all over. I've seen Star Tours 2. I've seen Star Tours, you know, the adventures continue. But what I'm seeing on the billboards as I ride into work and also on the official guide map in the studios, the new issue of the guide map um, has a picture of, uh, a walker, an AT-AT on Hoth shooting at the star speeder as it zooms by. It's an amazing picture. And it calls it Star Tours 3D. And this is what I keep seeing everywhere is Star Tours 3D. So I think they actually are, are going with that as the official name. But uh, So are you wearing glasses during it? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yep. But uh, regardless of what they're calling it, I highly recommend it. It is pretty freaking amazing and i think it's uh it's one of the best uh rides you know attractions on property i I think it's just amazing so you know if you if you have the the opportunity definitely come down and so is this the first actual star wars in 3d Mm -hmm. is this so this is actually the first the harbinger of the re-release of the movies in 3d i I think so yeah Yeah. i I think so and i mean it's it's incredible it's absolutely incredible there's a a sequence uh, again spoiler for anybody that doesn't want to doesn't want to know fast forward just a moment but uh in the naboo part um you know you, you you get shot down over naboo you crash into the water you come up out of the water at one point and your speeder's pretty much out of control and like it's like doing like a like a stone skimming across the surface of the water and it's a great effect i mean it's totally believable and you come you know just flying into this like dock area and you smash head on into a naboo starfighter and you know because they have those the the big pointy right. you know nose to those ships it actually smashes right through the viewport of your star speeder and it's like it's coming right at your face. Now, most 3D to me, no matter how realistic it is, just doesn't really elicit much of a of a reaction from me as far as, you know, look out. But that part, 
every time because it do, it looks like it's it looks completely real like it's really coming through the front of your of your ride vehicle and coming right at your face it's pretty cool i mean it's an amazing effect so you know if they can do that with this I, i'm dying to actually see the uh the star wars movies you know re-released in 3d on the big screen because you know, I haven't been real big on the on the whole 3D movie thing so far, but I'm actually looking forward to the the Star Wars movies. I'd be more excited if it wasn't going to be Episode One first, but then again, Episode One will have some pretty nice three potentially nice 3D sequences. You know, the whole underwater stuff on Naboo will probably yeah. look pretty neat in 3D. The whole uh, the pod race is, you know. Is a is a great uh, the the whole beginning set piece with uh, with um, Obi Wan and um, and Qui Gon could be you know the, the I I think the whole look of the um, uh, fe- the the Federation ship you know the at the, at the very beginning that sort of weird white with the, with all the droids emerging out of the smoke I think they could do oh, some yeah. nice. Uh, Nice 3D effects. That that long hallway when they're fighting the droidikas and they're down at the other end and turning into blurs. A lot of that might actually benefit to the to the 3D. You know, in Episode Two, will have a nice set piece in the arena that'll look neat in 3D. Hopefully, <laughs> to me, it all it all comes down to price. You know, if if it if it's another one of these deals where they they come back. And to see it in 3D is like five bucks more than the regular movie. Then you know what? I, I, I'm going to be honest. I, I'm going to be extremely selective on which ones that I'll watch. I would love to see all six, but you're you're talking a lot of money. I mean, to see all six of those, you know, even just by myself, when you're talking, what is it for a 3D movie? It's at least like eight nine bucks. So you're talking like fifty sixty bucks just for me. That's not you know. That's not even if I take my kids with me. This is so, what they should yeah, do. You, you know? should be able to buy a pair of the glasses for five bucks. So the first right. time you go see the three D movie, they go, "You got your glasses? No, five bucks. You pay your mm-hmm. five bucks. It's like going into a normal movie, but you've paid five dollars extra for the. Then the next time you go and you got you you know they're they're paying you the whole thing of like. You know, we've got to make these and collect them and clean them off and put them back out and all that. No, no, don't bother with that. You know, people no. hold on to their glasses. You know, I mean, kids would love that shit. You know, okay, go get your 3D glasses. We're going to the movies. Woo! You know, so right. that's that's what they should do. And people should just start griping towards that, you know, right. telling them that they should do that. And maybe they will. Well, you know, something else that just occurred to me, too, is I would love it. I would absolutely love it if, like every other 3D movie that's coming out these days, like uh, Thor is a perfect example. You know, I went to see Thor. I didn't go to the 3D one. I went to the regular yeah. 2D. So I'm hoping that when these Star Wars movies do get re-released, if Lucasfilm is smart, they'll do them in the 3D and they'll hype the hell out of the 3D and they'll make their money with that. But they'll also have the 2d option i doubt it i somehow i doubt doubt it it, but man i'm hoping so because if they do like our our local theater here they have five dollar tuesdays i mean any movie in the house five bucks 
I'll go see all of them. I'll see every single one of them again, 2D on the big screen, just for the novelty of seeing them again on the on the big screen oh, yeah. for five bucks. Hell yeah, I'll do that. But the 3D thing, you know, it depends yeah, on you know, how well they pull it off. I'm hoping Lucas, you know, I mean, really, like so far, there hasn't been very good luck with the post 3D, of, which is what they're doing. But I'm, you know, I'm I'm assuming they're doing it in the most painstakingly state-of-the-art manner they better be so i don't know I, I know what you're saying about the post 3d thing but you know see i went to uh to see the 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 toy story double header that they did in 3d you know toy story one and two 3d and i actually was more impressed with those and enjoyed those more than any other 3d movie i've seen and they're all they've all been made in 3d like like tron you, you, you never know? went to see avatar in 3d did you I haven't seen that movie. I have no interest in that well, movie. Well, you know, I mean, the interest in the movie or not, the, the 3D in it was groundbreaking. It was the first 3D movie I saw where I was like, all right, you know, J- you know, J- you know James Cameron, he put some thought into it. Right. So it wasn't, it wasn't lurid. It was part of the action without being in your face and... You know, there would be certain moments where all of a sudden the 3D would be breathtaking, you know, but you wouldn't right. see it coming. And there was no point where it was like, oh, I'm rubbing my eyes going like, oh, God, this hurts, you know. It was subtle and it was just used as sort of a a way of recreating, you know, your regular vision, which was I thought was amazing. I never got to see the the Toy Story ones, but the Toy Story ones in the post 3D benefit from the fact that they're they're cg cartoons you know so they're kind of you know already got that bouncy feeling and they can do the post 3d using the the models rather than a 2d image where they have to you know where they have to you know do a little bit of perspective work on everything you know so you can see behind things whereas in in toy story they could just like pull out the the you know the the original animation and run it through the computer and then 3D model it off that you know so it's sort of 3D it was sort of 3D anyway you know it was all modeled in 3D so but Star Wars they're literally going to be taking a a flat image you know right Un- unless Lucas like I, I what I'm assuming Lucas is going to do is is model 2d stuff into a 3d model and then do the 3d that way you know using the 3d model as a template or whatever but it's lucasfilm it should be state-of-the-art you know so so i'm i'm hoping for big things with that 3d but for the most part you know i'm more interested in seeing a 3d movie if it was made you know shot in 3d and made to right. be 3d I really wanted to see that Piranha movie in 3D. I heard that 3D was awesome. It was good old, you know, novelty, gimmicky 3D. You know, right. made, made to just be fun. And that well, sounds see, that, like fun. That's the thing, too, with these is that, you know, I, I felt like, uh, you know, that they're holding themselves back and, and not wanting to do, you know, the, the cheap 3D tricks. At no time will we be stooping to any cheap 3D tricks. Did you say cheap 3D tricks? Uh. <laughs> ah! 
Uh, oh, Walnut, it's that dumb bear again. Yeah. Hey, bear, you're not even funny in 3D. <laughs> I want to see that. I mean, yeah. that's the, isn't that the whole it's point? 3D. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when we, when, when we saw, what was the name of the um, 3D movie we saw at Disney? With Donald Oh, uh, yeah, um, um, uh, Mickey's Philhar Magic. Yeah, that, that, that's a 3D I want to see where something's bouncing in front of your head. Right. I mean, that felt like a full, a fully formed, you know, people, you could see people, you know, even though they knew better that people were reaching their hand up and just going, oh, that's cool, you know? Right, yeah. It, It would come out of the screen and over towards you. And yeah, that yeah, why not do that, you know? And if you're really exactly. imaginative with it, you know, you could really have a lot of fun with it and and don't be afraid to go over the top everyone's some stuff, you know, some stuff needs to go over the top. I I I think maybe middle ground is not the best thing for 3D. It should be either subtle and, you know, just sort of a an enhancement to the story or it should be full over the top, poke your eyes out with a with you know bows and arrow arrows and spears flying towards you and right you know waterfalls cascading towards you and and people juggling balls near you absolutely and completely agree so well that's uh that's all i've got for an opener i'm gonna take a little break and come back with uh comic books. comics yeah. yes we got a nice nice little uh bag full of comics uh we do this month. we got some good stuff this time yeah absolutely all right so we'll take a break and you'll listen to this and then you'll come back and you'll listen to that bumpy flight and who knows where we'll land the freezing cold of off the sandstorms of tatooine or get blasted to bits by the empire what? Are you scared? No. Really? Because you look scared. <laughs> With more than 50 different adventures, you never know where you'll go. Star Tours new in 3D. Flights departing daily from Disney's Hollywood Studios. Ooh, somebody's got eyes for you. You are entering a battlefield of the future. The Star Wars Jedi Arena. Becoming a Jedi Master takes practice. Using your lightsaber, try to penetrate your opponent's defenses. But watch out, the Whirling Seeker can attack on its own. So follow your instincts. Ah, now you're ready to take on any challenger who dares to oppose you. Play the Jedi Arena home video game. Alone or head-to-head, the challenge awaits you. From Parker Brothers, the ones to beat. Like nothing and works so well. What seems like nothing and works so well? New Playtex Slender Regular Tampons, Mom. That is new. It's the most comfortable Slender Regular I've ever tried. With a special Playtex plastic applicator. Way more comfortable than cardboard. And the protection I've been looking for. Try Playtex Tampons or Playtex Deodorant Tampons in new Slender Regular. Seem like nothing. Works so well. I'm convinced. Long ago... In a galaxy far, far away. There exists a state of cosmic civil war. A brave alliance of underground freedom fighters has challenged the tyranny and oppression of the awesome Galactic Empire. This is their story. 
Stan Lee presents Star Wars, the greatest space fantasy of all. Welcome back to Star Wars Monthly Monday, number 31, and this is the portion of the show where we're going to be taking a look at the Marvel Comics Star Wars issues, and to lead us off, here's Chris. Indeed it is, the Marvel Star Wars. (laughs) This month, we take you back to March 1983. When I was even more annoying than I am now. (laughs) This was back in the days when two quarters and a dime, 60 cents, would get you a Star Wars comic. This is Star Wars comic number 69, dude. (gasps) With a cover by Tom Palmer, and art inside, penciled by Gene Day, and inked by Tom Palmer. Joe Risen. Letters. Glennis Wine Colors, Louise Jones Editor, and Jim Shooter. This month is The Mandalorian Protector. And this month's uh, adventure is Death in the City of Bone. Which could be a porno movie. So, <laughs> anyway, as we, movie, yeah. as we left last month on, on the cliffhanger, uh, Le- Leia and 3PO, who are on the trail of... Uh, Dengar, actually they'd, they'd captured Dengar, now have been um, taken prisoner by the Imperials, and uh, we find them being taken to Slaver Headquarters, which turns out to be a giant fossilized skeleton of some sort of, you know, native beast that's been hollowed out and turned into a, a Slaver Headquarters fortress. Leia is brought in front of the Slaver leader who is called the Suprema who looks a lot like a long-faced sort of baboon-lizard hybrid creature. You know, he plans, of course, to sell her to the Empire. He's a big fan of Darth Vader. He's got a full-size hologram of Darth Vader in in his room to show how cool he is. She says, you know, don't be too sure about that because, you know, Fen Shaisa and... Toby Die are going to come to rescue me. And he goes, oh, Toby Die? You mean this Toby Die? And shows her, uh, you know, his armor hanging in his display case. So, so much for Toby Die helping lay out of this uh, mess. So, uh, on the way to her cell, it turns out one of the troopers escorting her there is Fen Shaisa. And, you know, he had uh, jumped a stormtrooper earlier on and had been sort of tailing her since. And uh, so he frees her, and then they, of course, the first thing they do is they find out that, uh, like, Toby Die isn't dead. He's just in a cell. So they go and, of course, bust him out immediately and uh, basically just start chaos. They release all the slaves. They capture Dengar and just start blasting up the place and uh, decide to go bust up the command center. Well, they get there, and the Suprema's waiting for them, and uh, Toby gets fatally wounded. But, you know, his his actions just buy Leia and Fen time to escape. So they're flying away, and in the last, you know, noble act, Toby dons his, his Mandalorian armor one last time and uh, closes the blast doors behind uh, Fen and Leia, who are fleeing the, the, the compound. And 
all the ships that have been chasing him don't have time to, to stop, and they all crash into it and blow up the whole compound from inside. So after a little bit of uh, enhanced interrogation, uh, Dengar is found to be not working with Fett, although he has heard him talking about a hideout in the Anga system somewhere. Meanwhile, we find Chewie and Lando are doing a little bit of uh, quote-unquote Wookiee waterboarding of their own on some <laughs> scum at the gambling space station The Wheel. And uh, they find out that uh, Bosk has been traced to the planet Stenax, a place Lando doesn't seem to be very hot on going to. And that's the end of issue number 69, dude. 69, dude! What did you think of this one? I really liked it. it, it you know, it... it uh. It was sort of a, um, just sort of a wind up the story thing. So it was a little pat, you know what I mean? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I, I figured out the whole Fen Shaisa thing as soon as there was a mention of like, oh, here comes our last trooper from out on patrol. You know, now right. we can leave. I was like, why'd they mention him? I'll bet you one of them's Fen Shaisa because <laughs> right. you know he was he was sort of tra- he was sort of watching out for her anyway, and he was probably after Dengar because she'd sort of stolen Dengar from him. But uh, I, I I liked it. I liked it. there was a nice little sequence where when they're bringing Leia in as a as a prisoner, and she sees some of the guards abusing you know one of the the slaves there, and she sort of makes a mental note and on her way out gets a little revenge on on the guys who are mistreating the the slave. That was a nice little touch. And once again, all because of Tom Palmer, the art. And and well, Gene Day too. You know the Gene Day Tom Palmer combination is really good. And this one, maybe it might have been a little. The art might have been a little rushed. Yeah, because for usually for Gene Day, it's usually it's like Gene Day would lay down a more detailed thing for Tom Palmer to ink. Because usually when Gene Day's involved, it's like starts getting detailed, like when Al Williamson would draw it. But this seems like it might. They might have been in a little bit of a hurry, but that's, it's not bad. It still looks, I mean, you know, just, I think Tom Palmer brings such a a continuity and a, just a general level of quality to the whole, the whole comic. It, It can't be stressed how, you know, I mean, the Gene Day and, 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 um, uh, Walt Simonson and all that are, are sort of like big stars, you know. So it's like, ooh, Gene Day art, Walt Simonson art. But it's really it's Palmer who's tying it all together, you know. No Amen. matter which one of those, you know, it 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 doesn't look wildly different from issue to issue like it has in the past at certain points. And you know that's really brings the series together, you know. And this is right in the middle of where it was starting to do that where. You know, the, the the quality was just... And every once in a while, there would be... You know, it wasn't like... There wouldn't be a little experimentation when they when they um, bust out um, Toby. There's this weird, like, overlay over all the panels in the two-page sequence, you know, like of jail cell bars, sort of like a white overlay breaking up all the frames. Yeah. And... Uh, and you know that ju- that just sort of appears and then disappears, but it doesn't. It it works, you know. 
and uh yeah the base in the the base in the skeleton really how much mass is it you know as you know it's a neat idea it doesn't really practically work if you think about it too much right but it's still really cool you know when you look at it, it it's just like okay it seems like there's enough ribs to put some stormtroopers shooting out of but you know like massive amounts of you know they're flying around inside with the little like speeder crafts that they have there and and blasting around when it's like a tardis once you get inside it's like yeah i'm, that... I'm assuming it goes underground cuz there's a lot of stony walls and stuff when they're yeah. walking around that was my problem with it is that it's a cool idea and everything, but spatially it doesn't work. Out it at doesn't all. work spatially at all because that first when we first see it on that double page, um, I mean, look like right in the legs right there, yeah. and the stormtroopers it's like just are, enough are room almost, for him to climb up in there, like a yeah, exactly. stairway, you know. But then they fly into the eye socket, and Leia's first. I think the first thing she said is, "It's like a." Doesn't she say something it's like, like a, it's city like a city in here? Yeah, yeah. This is incredible. There's an entire city uh, built into the skull. It's like I don't, I don't that's, think that's so. A, that's a magic skull there. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, I, I you know, I, I had the same thought rereading this. You know, I thought that I definitely did not have as a child reading this, which was. You know, how when this creature was alive, could it possibly move, you know? Because <laughs> that's one of those things you don't really think about when you're a kid and you're watching a movie like, you know, like The Amazing Colossal Man or The Attack of the 50-Foot Woman is that, you know... They would collapse under the that, density yeah, exactly. of their own weight. Yeah, at a certain point, they, they, they couldn't be mobile. You know, even the largest creatures well, on Earth that's, Maybe only that's why this is such a so good structure, because this creature had a very dense... A dense enough structure to support its its weight. <laughs> I guess so. Star Wars is pretty much it's pretty much established in the Star Wars universe that there's a lot of creatures that are of a size that sort of defies physics anyway. This is true. There's a lot of big ass monsters in Star monsters, Wars. Yeah. That's but, one uh, of the things I always liked about Star Wars, right from right from the first Star Wars movie, you know, we we glimpsed that that skeleton on Tatooine that we never learned what it was, but it's just this big, you know, so right away you knew there'd be monsters here. You mm-hmm. know, I, I love that. I always thought that was great. And did you think the, um, the shot on the, the last page of, of the wheel was total. I mean, I know they paid tribute to 2001 before with it, but man, yeah, it looks right out of 2001, a space odyssey. Yeah, it's actually one of my notes. My note was the wheel, and then, you know, I was kind of thinking, you know, I had that reaction at first because I was thinking it was the same wheel from the wheel story, but then I get to looking at it, and I'm like, I wonder if this is supposed to be the same wheel from that classic, you know, Carmine Infantino story. It has to be because they call it, like, the hub of the galaxy's gaming trade. Right, yeah. You know, it's... But, but it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's very 2001 A Space Odyssey. I mean, it's right from the album cover, you know, to the soundtrack, you know, was was that was the wheel in this same, you know, angle and same pose and everything, except this time instead of like a space plane coming out of it, the Millennium Falcon's coming out of it, which is cool. I, you know, I'm, I'm all about the, you know, the homages to classic sci-fi. That's cool. And, and another thing I love, Princess Leia's drawn right. Three PO's drawn right. The last panel with Lando. That is a gr- that's one of the best like 
mm-hmm. Lando fa- Billy D. Williams faces, and he says, "Oh no, not there." And you know it's just saying, "Ah oh, hell no, not there." <laughs> and just by the look on his face, it's a total "ah oh, hell no." <laughs> and I know the shot of Chewie's almost like photo referenced of him holding up the, the one guy, you know, the the middle shot of Chewie where <laughs> Nosferatu, yeah, where he's holding up Nosferatu there, <laughs> and uh, but man, uh, yeah, I, you know, not not the most Shakespearean story, but it's it's. It's got all the great elements of, you know, of, of what you would want. You know, you got the the one character even getting to go out as a Mandalorian, right? You know, and and uh, I thought I thought Fen Sh- I was sort of expecting Fen Shaisa to make more of a play for Princess Leia, the the Han Solo. I sort thought of they kissed at the end of the story. I could have sworn that they locked lips at the end of the story. No, and Leia's they don't. Too into, she's too into Han. She only locked lips yeah. with him before just to to get her. Uh, you know, she might have wanted to, but she only did it in the. You know, and, and I think a, I wanted them to was the thing. You know, as a kid, I I think that was the thing is I wanted them to wind up together. And the the last panel with them together is you know he's standing there, the brave hero, and she's got her hands on his shoulders. So maybe that's why I I, I had misremembered it. Yeah, that, but he's he's totally the being the gentleman, like okay, go find your boyfriend now. All right, right. see you later, Missy. You know. Yeah. I had a few notes on this one. Um right on page one i wish i had remembered to to make note of this sort of thing earlier but right on the first page the the stormtrooper is the only one that has dialogue and he calls leia rebel scum and it got me to thinking i wonder when that was first used because the first time i can think of in the movies is in jedi right is in jedi the very last one so i'm kind of wondering was it used at some point before then but i would love to know if if anybody knows off the top of their head the the origin of rebel scum i would love to find that out just just as a pure curiosity but you know this was you know this comic was before Jedi, so this I don't know getting... if this is the first time it's been used in the comic, but it's the first time I actually made like a mental note of it. Well, it's funny; it's being said in a very Endor-like <laughs> mm-hmm. whole layout here with a with a you know with a with a at at and a, well not an at at but you know a a, a walker right. and and tr- you know surrounded by stormtroopers in a forest in the background, right. Yeah, I'm, it kind of makes you wonder if maybe somebody was was privy to a little bit of uh, what was coming. Um, I really liked, although I I I think you could argue that it's out of character. I really like three PO rushing to Leia's defense two or three times in this issue about um, her status as a royal and how other people talk to her. I, I liked that. You know, it, it was the first time I remember seeing anything like that, but. You know, at least at least twice that I can think of in this, somebody would say something to her, you know, make a comment to her or about her or something, and he would step right up with, you know, you know, do you know this who is you're a, talking to? Yeah, exactly. You do you know who you're talking to or talking about or you know, watch how you know, watch how you speak to my mistress, kind of thing. I, I really liked that. I thought that was cool. As if he was going to back it up with anything, right? Exactly. <laughs> He's no R two D two man. 
I thought the uh, the use of some, you know, one of the things I, I'm liking about this era we're covering is that there's new vehicles almost every single issue, which to me that's totally Star Wars because every every movie we always got new vehicles too. Yeah, different so planets would neat. have different 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 vehicles to suit that planet, you know. But I thought the uh, the transport barge. Sadly, I think it's one of the weakest vehicles we've got in a while because it just doesn't look remotely Star Wars. It looks like a giant Santa sleigh with a with a like swamp buggy propeller on the back yeah. of it. And I remember looking at that going, what the hell is that all about? But that comes back up in a minute. But uh, what I really liked was uh, the Imperial Escort fighters. These are totally the, the Ralph McQuarrie snow speeders you know the, yes. the proto snow speeders yes and uh, do you remember that line of well, there's variations of them too there's squat more like that one right look like a pyramid with the top cut off them and stuff like that with just like yeah. little guns sticking out and do you remember that line of toys and i want to say it was kenner but i could be wrong but a few years back maybe 10 years ago at most there was a line of toys that came out I can't remember what the hell the the name of the line was. Maybe it was Expanded Universe. I forget. But it was a line of toys that were all like, here's the Ralph McQuarrie prototype yeah. you know, sketch version, and then here's like the finished movie version. Mm-hmm. I remember the Snowspeeder being one of them. You know, you know what I'm talking about? They yeah, were like exactly small little diecast. Yeah, I yeah. love that. Because I know there was a toy of of these, you know. I still would call them snow speeders, but they uh, no snow know, around different. here. Speeders yeah. of some sort. And then uh, the air speeder that Leia, Fen Shisa, and C three PO make their escape in totally looks like the one that uh, Anakin and Obi Wan were chasing through the the skies of Coruscant in Episode Two. It it's actually looks a little Star bit Wars like too. It's very yeah. yeah. It's Star Wars is a little Blade Runner, but like the little grills in the front, you know. Yeah. There's, there's all these sort of useful appendages that you don't know what they're useful for, but they look like they're doing something there. Yeah. It's very Star Wars looking. Yeah, I like that a lot. I like they're on page seven, although the pages aren't numbered here, so I, I must have had to count them out before. But there was a I'm trying to think which page is it here. Let's see. One, two. Is it where Leia's getting menaced by uh, by baboon face there? So yeah, here here it is. It's uh, it's just before that. It's where Leia's being marched to the detention cell. It says the nearby lift continues its journey, rising slowly to a passageway hewn into the massive skull's single horn. I was like. What it's single? Oh, there yeah, it is. Yeah, according to the depiction. Big. Oh, what is there a single? Because yeah, it's just coming off the back of the skull. It's coming. Oh, backwards. all right. I thought they were talking about down by the nose, where I was like, um, excuse me, there's, there's clearly two, two horns there. There's two little tiny horns there. No, this is a big one, like on the back of its At skull, but it's not that big, okay. man. Yeah, all right. I see what you're talking. All right, all right. I'll, 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 I'll give him that one. Okay, the next page you were talking about, though, where she's being menaced by the dude. Now, tell me this dude doesn't sort of remind you of that prison keeper guy that we just saw in the latest uh, season of Clone Wars? 
Yes. Yeah. Totally reminds me of that guy. But uh, anyway, she's being menaced by the, the Suprema, which is a stupid name. And uh, he says, uh, would you like a chair? And she says, I've got a better idea, Suprema. Why don't you sit on it? And I'm thinking, please tell me this isn't like some Fonzie way happy to, Way to go, Fonzie. Yeah. Sit on it? Really? Fonzie, sit on it. <laughs> Are you serious? I just thought it like, was kind of weird. Well, Leia doesn't hit gold with the zingers every time, obviously. <laughs> but still, you know, I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want Fonzie in my Star Wars, you know, okay? The whole foul stench one worked pretty good. With, that was a good one. And holding the leash one start, worked pretty good, but this one just sort of, like, fell flat. I take it back. Favorite panel of the book? Uh, page um, 18, second panel, where Toby Dalla puts his armor on. That's a great picture. The picture where he's actually plopping the helmet onto his head. Uh-huh. That's cool. There's just something about that. I, I really, really like that. And I noticed a couple of times in this. Well, because he goes from being a guy who looks like he's about to die to being a Mandalorian, you know, badass. Yeah, yeah exactly. I noticed there was a couple of uh, a couple of frames of Fen back let's see this is page 18 page 16 the first two panels page 16 where uh fen is sh- uh, flying the uh the speeder making their escape damned if he doesn't look like jonah hex from that hex series that was set in the in the early 21st century yeah you're right you can <laughs> you almost can see the thing the the dingleberry over his lip and everything <laughs> Because he's got the squint, he's doing the squinky eye and everything. Watch squinky eye. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I like you that. spin it, you brat. <laughs> Page uh, twenty-one. We finally, or uh, well, I finally, got an answer to, you know, what? Why the hell is a vehicle in Star Wars have a rotor on the back of it for? Well, it's so that uh, Fen Shisa can have his Clint Eastwood moment here where he's going to feed Dengar's head into the thing. He's going to give Dengar a, a clean clothes, <laughs> clean clothes shave. <laughs> I mean, I like the sequence, but it is a little bit weird that a, that a Star Wars vehicle, you know, that we normally see Has him with. Propeller. like Yeah, you know, we normally see him with, like, repulsor lifts and jets and things. And, you know, this one's got a big old fat propeller on the back of it. But it was still pretty cool. That sort I, I of liked. anticipating Kashyyyk. Had sort of propellery yeah, sort of things on them. That's very true. And what else did I have? The letter column, there was a really cool letter here from um, somebody. I was just wondering, this one letter writer, name was uh, Jeanette, I guess it's Leck, L-E-C-H, Leck. Leck yeah. Um, says that she sees Leia as Luke's destiny. And I'm kind of curious how, uh, you know, what she thought of how things actually turned out. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to know that. I noticed that five of the seven letter writers in this issue were female. I just thought that was, uh, worth noting. You know, that was definitely something that kind of surprised me when I realized I was like, wow, really a lot of women reading star Wars. That's pretty cool. And, Big big news announcement in uh, in the end of this issue in the letters column in this issue that uh, David Michelini is leaving. 
he's going to go ride uh, the uh, further adventures of Indiana Jones, which got me thinking maybe I needed to give those another look because I haven't read those since I was a kid, and I remember them pretty much sucking. They they sucked after a point, but it was really quick. That point was really fast. Well, I remember, you know, I always tell people that, you know, that ask me, because every once in a while somebody will ask me about those. I always tell people, get the get the John Byrne issues, which is like the first two or three issues, and, and forget the rest of the series. But now I'm kind of wondering if maybe I need to go back and give it a second look, because I really am a fan of David Michelini, so I, I wouldn't think that his stuff could be that bad. So maybe one of these days I'll go back and, and do a report. I know the art went south big time, <laughs> and that yeah. might have had a lot to do with it. I remember it being a weird mix of sometimes the stories were okay, but the art was, you know, sucked. Or sometimes the the story was eh, but the art was really good. Because I remember, I want to say the one the about the fourth nail of Christ. I want to say the artist on that was Carrie Gamble, I think. And the art was fantastic. It's just the story was kind of stupid, you know. So it was it was that sort of thing, you know, where where you got that weird, you know, you, you seldom got an issue where the story and the art were were both up to par, you know, you, you kind of had that trade off of a decent story, but the art was kind of shitty, you know. But uh, anyway, so he's leaving. Joe Duffy is coming on board. Now we haven't seen her on this title since that uh, Obi Wan Kenobi solo story that uh, we liked so much and that we were pleasantly surprised actually still held up pretty good. Yeah. Well, she actually fits right in and becomes sort of another, she becomes sort of like Tom Palmer, a really Mm -hmm. uh, cementing influence on this comic. Absolutely. And lastly, it won't happen next, next issue, but two issues from now, Ron friends is going to become the uh, permanent permanent penciler on uh, on Marvel Star Wars. And last thing I wanted to point out, I didn't have this in my notes because I actually read these uh, in CBR form just for convenience when I was uh, looking at them earlier. But I actually have the paper issue in front of me now as we're going over them. Inside, back cover, <laughs> there's an ad for Riddle of the Sphinx for Atari. We One were just talking about games. Oh, man, yes. And this talks about basically... This this was a pre-cover your ass because this right. game was so shitty. They were just basically saying, this game's so hard, if if you don't like it, you're just not smart enough. This guy right. had a IQ of 169, <laughs> and we've broken him, you know. Right. He's got it's a little nerdy kid. He's all sweaty. It basically, he looks like a... He looks like a 15-year-old kid who's probably been masturbating all day. He looks like Rusty Miller. That's exactly. What it looks and his, like. his, like, his glasses are broken and he's got all his reference books and it's that game sucked so yes hard. it did it riddle totally of the sphinx did. the riddle was how the hell did they even sell more than five <laughs> copies of the stupid video game <laughs> it wasn't much of a riddle i solved no. it pretty quick the riddle was why am i playing this shit exactly <laughs> answer i'm not anymore i'm gonna play a good game now <laughs> i'm gonna play a good game or go enjoy my life right <laughs> well, that's on, all man. I got. Let's go son. smash some action figures. Let's yeah, go smash go. some classic Mego figures <laughs> down by the creek instead of playing this stupid game. That's time better spent. <laughs> go out behind Ames and set something on fire. Yeah, exactly. Let's go play robots <laughs> behind Ames. 
<laughs> no! Long ago, in a galaxy far, far away, the Star Wars saga began, and Kenner continues the excitement. Tong Tong Hoth Wampa and action figures each sold separately. Han Solo! Help! It's got Luke! Wampa! Watch it, Tong Tong! Gotcha! Tong Tong comes with an open belly rescue feature. You'll be okay, Luke, soon as I chase away that thing! Wampa! Tong Tong Hoth Wampa and other action figures each sold separately from Kenner's Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back collection. Don't mess with my Don Don. Don't mess with my Don Don. I know you have a lot of feelings. So don't mess with my Don Don. When you was born, your ass soon. The doctor slapped you behind. So yeah, he said we're going to call you Susan. You sweet little Don Don. So you can look as much. But if you met just us, you're gonna have yourself a kiss. I'm gonna break your face. Hey kids, comics! Hey Michael! Yes? We have to record a promo for our podcast. I've got one. Read our podcast. Read our podcast. You do know this is an audio medium. Watch our podcast. But you can watch podcasts, but not ours, because let's face it, we've got faces for radio. Uh, no, wait, I've got it. Give me a second, right? What? Just listen to our podcast. Listen to our podcast. Snap it. It's short, sweet. I'm liking it. It's good. It's great. Not exactly telling people what our podcast is about, though, is it? We read comics. We read comics. That's true. That's good. Liking it. Liking this pitch. Carry on. Right. We talk about comics. We do. We talk about comics. We read comics, and then we talk about them, because we can't talk about them before we read them. Excellent. Keep going. And then... We sing! Badly! Yes, well, badly is purely subjective, but how many other comic book podcasts do you know where people sing? Hey, kids, comics! Every Thursday at aplayland.podomatic.com We are moving forward one month in time to April of 1983 with issue number 70. Once again, 60 centaroonies. Uh, uh, once again, a really cool Tom Palmer cover featuring Han Solo looking like he's back in the action of the story, so that was pretty exciting. You like this cover, really? Yeah. Okay. It, I, reminds, I... it reminds me of... There's, there's a couple little wonky things in it, but I like it. Yeah, I generally... I, I think it's kind of Al Williamson-y. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so now we got uh, Mary Jo Duffy, writer. Um, a little complicated penciling going on with Carrie Gamble and Tom Palmer sharing the job and being split all through uh, the uh, issue. But Tom Palmer inking it all, so you can barely tell. Once again, Joe Ryden, letters. <laughs> Glennis Wine, colors. Louise Jones, editor. And Jim Shooter is just chief in this. I guess they gave up trying to find witty Star Wars names for Jim Shooter. Now, you do realize that from now on, whenever you say Joe Ryzen, I'm going to dub in that clip of... (laughs) (laughs) I can't figure out in that goddamn thing if it was supposed to be Superman himself talking 
to talking in the language or whether he's trying to pretend that it's just the same voice actor and he was like, okay, now I got to be a dolphin. Right. And they didn't bother to cut him. Now, as a kid, I thought that the was the dolphins speaking to him. Now that I listen to that as yeah. an adult, I think that the, the really faint uh, dolphin sounds in the background that totally don't sync up at all with Superman when he's listening to them speak, mm-hmm. that's supposed to be them talking to him, and the the is is Which Superman speaking. Like dolphins talking. <laughs> it sounds like a drunk white man. <laughs> A drunk white man we we both know. <laughs> I love that. All right. <clears throat> Issue number 70. So Luke, Lando, R2, and Chewie are on their way to the Stenos planet after uh, after both the trail of Bosk and IG-88 have uh, led there. And for that very reason, Lando sort of smells a trap. It seems too easy. Too easy. It's a trap. So uh, that leads Luke to go all like wobbly vision into a flashback to the old days before Empire, when he, Leia, Han, Chewie, and, and the droids, the old crew, visited uh, the planet Stanos, John Stanos, and uh, uh, they were they were supposed to be like checking on a rebel station that was supposed to set up there that never you know checked in, and they don't know what happened to him. So on the arrival, they find the Stenaxians to be these sort of toothy, purple-winged demon creatures who are kind of grumpy and aloof. And uh, they also find basically an Imperial garrison there led by Imperial Governor Matron. And so they sort of slink by him and uh, climb this huge hill to this ruined, abandoned temple where the rebel hideout was supposed to be and instead they find the temples all trashed and empty and as they poke around they're startled by Rick, Danny, and Cheeto, three pirates that Han Solo obviously knows from some time in the past and they know him and Rick is basically the mirror universe Han Solo with a with a vest and a goatee and uh, <laughs> Donnie's Right? You're right. I always liked Rick Duell because he reminded me so much of Han, and you you nailed it. I never thought of that before, but you're right. He's Mirror Universe Han they just, Solo. They just, That's they just great. just around with Han Solo a little bit and made him. <laughs> and Donnie's a hot red-skinned Zeltron, which basically means that she's horny all the time. Mm-hmm. And Cheeto is Greedo. So, yep. uh... They, they claim that they were there helping the rebels find an object in the temple when the rebels were basically run off and they've remained to, to you know help the rebel cause and find this object. And using 3PO, they decipher some hieroglyphics and find out that they're looking for Val, the avatar of the local deity. So basically the Stenosians are under a curse because since the temple's been wrecked and they're avatar of Vala has been buried they refuse to fly or they cannot fly or they won't fly or whatever until Vala is recovered and uh, using 3PO and R2 to you know decipher the hieroglyphics and do some stellar calculations they find the, the little statue of Vala 
But of course, it's all a big screwing over because the pirates, you know, immediately take Val and turn our heroes into the Imperials. Well, uh, by the time the stormtroopers get there, the natives somehow or other have found out that Val is free from his being buried in the temple and now they can fly and fight because they rout all the Imperials. Just a little while later, Governor Matron is is basically pulling a little switcheroo on Rick and, and swipes Val from him, only, you know, to be set upon just in time by all the Stenosaurians or whatever you want to call them. And uh, so basically our heroes just take off, leaving the scoundrels to their apparently horrible fate of getting torn apart by the angry natives. The end. Well, I, I, you sort of set this up like it was going to suck really hard. and I was going to address that, actually, because I remembered not liking this issue when I was a kid. And now I couldn't really tell you what my bitch with, with it I was. I was trying because, to figure out what yeah. it was that you didn't like about it. It had some nice, you know, you, you met a Zeltron and she, and she took, takes a liking to Luke, which is fun because it mm-hmm. gets Leia all jealous. And, yeah, uh, this this issue actually introduces two of my favorite characters from from the series in uh, in Rick Duel and uh, Danny the Zeltron. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm not, I I really don't remember. Other than I still don't like the cover, but I mean that's a minor quibble. Uh, the, um, the artwork I, I, is I've consistent never, in it with uh, so far, yeah. you know. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, I, I mean, I was never much on flashback um, uh, the only guess i've got is maybe that i just felt like it, it kind of stalled the forward progress of the story because it is largely just a flashback tale but that's but just a, a guess because han it doesn't being han. yeah know, exactly and it, it doesn't bother me at all now so i really don't know what my what my beef with it back you know when i was a kid was but i like it now i, th- I thought this yeah. was a solid issue it's it's kind of nice seeing the the falcon land and han walk out and start wisecracking about what a dump the planet is you know yep. it's just like oh, all right you know han's back you know right and it puts him in that time period too of just post you know blowing up the death star Right. And they all don't really know each other that much, you know. There's the the relationship between Han and Leia is probably a little bit more, you know, is is kind of strained, you know. It's Well, you know, th- this also addresses, you know, a a common uh request in the letters pages of the time which was, you know, can can we get something with Han? Yes, we know he's frozen in carbonite, but, you know, can we can we get something with him? And here you go. Here's here's a Han thing. But, you know, you bring up an interesting point, and I was going to save this to my very last comment. Um, but I'll, I'll go ahead and I want to get this out of the way first, I guess. is you know, This is really a good, solid issue. I thoroughly enjoy it, and I almost hate to point this out. But... I really feel that I have to. Han left immediately after the destruction of the Death Star in Marvel Star Wars. So this story really doesn't fit into their own continuity. No, I think they're know? sort of I think they're sort of they're sort of edging it more into the movie continuity, you know. Right. Right. Into yeah. their own sort of which it God bless them. That 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 yeah. worked out. That works out really well for the comics for the next twenty issues or thirty oh, issues absolutely. or so. You know, 
Absolutely, so. it does. You know, and, and uh, you know, I only pointed out because it occurred to me right away because there's a on uh, page four. They just take into account the empire happened. You yeah. Know? Well, on page four, of the very last panel, it's it's the beginning of the flashback. We we you know, Luke is thinking and and his mind is going back to this adventure, and he says. Uh, well, it makes a certain amount of sense for uh, Han's fate to somehow be tied up with what happened here on Stenos, and for Stenos to be the scene of some treachery. We were all here once before, right after Han and I joined the Rebellion. And just that line of dialogue got me to thinking about that, and I was like... Han didn't really join wait, the Rebellion. <laughs> wait a minute. Well, yeah, for one, yeah, Han never joined, but also it was... I. I when when I read that line, for some reason, my my normally crappy memory pulled up the opening splash page of Star Wars number seven, which was the per- first post Star Wars issue. You know, first you know post the first movie yeah, issue. Where he's like, all right, and that's see you the later. opening. Pa- yeah, exactly. That's the opening page. Is it's basically it's the very next day, and Han and Chewie are like, okay, screw you, assholes, we're out of here. And they go off and they have their stupid adventure on a duba with Jacks off the rabbit and you know, all that stuff. So, you know, it, that's why it doesn't bother me because I'm really not a fan of that particular. What is that? It was like issues like seven to thirteen or something like that. I mean, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of that. So it didn't it didn't bug me. But like I say, when it occurred to me, I just felt it was noteworthy. You know, plus. Mm-hmm. Again, as much as I do like this issue and I like this little story, Luke's little thing here of gee, it makes a certain amount of sense. And all, in the at the end of the day, what the hell did this story have to do with? I mean, his setup never really pays off. We're we're never really told why Luke feels that this is some you know bitter irony yeah it it doesn't it really does it's basically us just going on a tangent he's like oh stenos han solo yeah we were there once did i tell you about that i almost got laid (laughs) i would have got laid if we would have been there just a little bit longer but we had to leave because the natives were going to kill everybody but i swear i would have gotten laid you don't know her she's from she's from another planet altogether what do you got on this one? Um, not a whole, a lot actually, which is pretty funny because <laughs> I, I actually enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, the one full page splash of the um, um, of the of the troopers getting torn up totally reminds me of the arena scene in episode two. Yeah, you yeah, know, you're of, right. And, and uh, you know they're 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 kind of like the Geonosians as the this winged sort of weird grumpy sort of ill natured flying creature you know so I I can't figure out what you're supposed to call these guys because no that's why of... I call them like five different things yeah and it's like the Stenosians the Stenaxians the Stenaxians yeah that's what I was calling them but then I got to thinking it could be. Stenaxes, Stenaxes. I really don't know. The planet name of the planet is Stenos, but then several times it's referenced as Stenax. Yeah, I I have no idea. But you know what they remind me of? They're they're like a cross between the Dragon Man 
And do you remember Disney's Gargoyles? It yep. was a series back yeah, in the nineties. Yeah, they totally, yep. yeah, totally remind me of the Gargoyles. I've always been a Cary Gamble fan, and while, um, and this isn't a complaint, but while uh, I, I really enjoy, have, you know, Tom Palmer, it, his style is much more prevalent in this than Gamble's is. But I yes. still really, I can see the Gamble in it, and I really like it. But uh, I agree with you. I love how Tom Palmer is the glue from issue to issue, from artist yeah. to artist, that really keeps it very consistent. I really, I normally, when a, when an inker overpowers a penciler, it pisses me off. Here, I like it because it's it's just complementary enough that the the transitions are not jarring between artists and right I, right I, I it like keeps that. it keeps it keeps you f- feeling like you're you're watching the same continuous thing you know it's got a visual mm-hmm. continuity to it absolutely but just like donnie's butt in this <laughs> the, uh, from this point on her butt gets featured no matter what artist they just they like to draw her butt even though she's a big breasted woman you would think in comic books that's sort of traditionally you know the headlights are what you know get marked in, but for some reason, <laughs> that 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 this character they've decided that her butt is is going to be famous because it's f- featured prominently in the next two issues. Or well, you know those yeah. uh, those digest size Star Wars things mm-hmm. that uh, that Dark Horse has been putting out in the last mm-hmm. few years. There was one of them not long ago, and I want to say it was an issue of. I think it was Clone Wars Adventures. I forget, but there was one of them that came out not long ago. That had a Zeltron. That in it. had a Zeltron in it, and it made me so happy. It just totally made my day. I love that Zeltrons actually became part of, you know, the the EU beyond just this series because they're they're great characters. I really like them. I like her in particular, but I think eventually we do see more of them because I. I want to say that no, there's a whole adventure with with Zeltrons where they they fight with the rebellion at some point. Well, does uh, remember those guys that they're 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 almost like a they're almost like a boy band that become yeah. like Leia's like personal bodyguards or yeah, fan club type weren't thing. they Zeltrons? They like, yeah, they're like Zeltron guys and they like f- scatter flowers at her feet and stuff. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. yeah, yeah, I, I don't that that comes way towards way the later. End. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, um, I like how Han Solo is drawn in this. There's many great Harrison Ford faces. Yeah, and and postures that are that are in here. There's just one, you know. Once again, there's no page numbers, but there's just one shot of in in the beginning when they first get to the temple where he's just sitting there with his with one hand like like sort of dangling and one hand on his knee. That's just a total Harrison Ford of just like, all right, so what are we doing in this uh, crappy temple right here? Right. You know, it's, uh, you know, they capture, they captured all really well. You know, there's all all the, not, not only the look of the characters, you know, finally Chewie is always consistently good and in scale. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I just, I, I, I remember going, man. I think Scott was just talking out his ass when he was. Uh, <laughs> well, it happens. Not, not that I was just like, wow, this is a great issue, but it was, you know, it was solid, just like everything else. When I saw at the beginning that it was two different pencilers, I was thinking, 
okay, it might be another John Carter Warlord of Star Wars moment <laughs> right. where, where there was a story and then, you know, Tom Palmer sort of, you know, okay, drew in a beginning and an ending to shoehorn it in. But it's not really. It was the only shoehorning is they wanted to get Han Solo in here. And Han Solo, yeah. It's actually a welcome bit of bit of shoehorning. I like the uh, – the, there's some – just good com- R2 and 3PO are the perfect amount of comedy relief and usefulness mm-hmm. in the story. Um yeah, I I I I liked it. I thought I thought maybe they could have named Cheeto something a little little further off from Greedo, you know. But eh. I remember uh back when um episode 1 came out theatrically. I was actually a route businessman with Frito-Lay and they had the deal with Star Wars merchandising. You know, they both had like Star Wars characters on like all the bags of like, you know, Lay's and Doritos and shit like that. But also Frito-Lay is now owned by Pepsi Corporation. So you had like Mountain Dew with like Qui-Gon on it and stuff like that. I think they totally missed a prime marketing opportunity to have Cheeto be the representative for like Cheetos. Or I think Greedo. that would have been awesome. I think it would have been Greedo the Cheeto Bandito <laughs> right. the Frito Bandito of Cheetos, you know. I love it. I think that's great. And every time but... he opens up a bag of Cheetos, a laser bolt shoots out and fries him. <laughs> you know, you had to fry that. poor Greedo, but we bake our Cheetos so they're Oh my god, fat. you just jogged a memory. Now, I think that they did a contest at some point where you opened a, a bag of yes. something where it, it was supposed to make a Star say, Wars it, sound. It would talk, yes. You would get, yeah. There were talking oh bags God, of... I forgot all about that. Yes, I never got those. They, they had... what the what, And they all the, all the um, Doritos at that time had the lenticular... Yeah, I have a huge collection of those. That started with the re-release of the Star Wars movie in in sort of blood into Episode One. Yeah, you're right. With your somewhere, I've got a bunch of those. I don't think I ever did get a complete set, but uh, I did have a ton of those things. What I always wanted was like the we had a bunch of like really cool like standees and displays and stuff like that, and I tried to scarf that stuff, but. You know, when when you move as many times as we've moved, eventually that yeah. stuff just kind of you know falls by the wayside. Standees are tough to yeah. to keep moving around from house yeah. to house. They take up a lot of space They're and a pain in the ass. Yeah. Well, I, I sold one. I had one that was in the box, never opened, and it was a huge, huge. Like if you've ever seen like a like a Frito Lay like. Super Bowl display in your local supermarket. It was like that size, and it was something to do with the Phantom Menace. And I had one that I never did build, and it was still in the unsealed box. I remember selling that sucker on eBay for. I mean, I made a freaking mint off that thing. Yeah, and the shipping alone was just ridiculous because it was this massive, heavy box. But the guy paid for it. I made a fortune. I. Forget how much, but I want to say it was at least a couple hundred bucks off that thing. So, but anyway, um, I had a couple more things. I really like Luke's outfit in this issue, and I, I, lo- I love the fact that he actually has different outfits now. You know, because for so I mean, I think I could be wrong, but I think 
up until just before Empire when we had the uh, the story with uh, uh, Domina Tag. I think Luke wore the same damn outfit through that whole thing, didn't he? Had his he had his tattooing outfit right Probably. up until he finally changed I clothes. I just assume he's got a closet full of those things. You know? <laughs> Is it like the Einstein thing? Exactly. Just, yeah. Um, what else did I have on this? Page seven. They have whatever the days of the space week are sewn in on the tag on the inside of them, so he knows which day of the week <laughs> it is. I've got a note here, page... Oh, okay, here's what it is. Again, the pages are not numbered, but this was it. I just had a, a thing here, page seven, last panel is awesome, but that's all it said. It's the panel where uh, where we, as the as the reader, meet for the first time, um, Danny, Rick, and Cheeto, and there's a standoff with Han. You know, they all have their, you know, their laser pistols drawn. Han pulls his laser pistol. Chewie's got his crossbow. The last panel is Luke lighting his lightsaber. And I just, there's something about that. It's a little bit Thundar the Barbarian, but I still love it. It's a great picture. It's a really good lightsaber, both lightsaber drawing and lightsaber blade, which, you know, the lightsaber didn't always look that great in Marvel Star Wars, I'll admit. A lot of times it looked like the sun sword or something. Yeah. yeah. But in this, it's really cool. I love that. I like on. Uh, on page 10, this is a frequent comic book thing I see all the time. So this is more of a comment on just comics in general than it is really specifically Star Wars. But it's still, it just cracks me up. Rick Duell, you know, he's describing the uh, statue of, uh, of Vol to Princess Leia. And he kneels down on the sandy floor and he says, here, let me sketch it out for you. And then the next panel is the supposed sketch in the dirt floor. And it's like, I mean, <laughs> it's like fucking dead on. It, you know, it's this super detailed, I mean. Drawn in Tom Palmer style. Yeah, I mean, every facet and detail you can see his eyes and the scales on him. And, you know, he's even holding the, the spear in the proper position. I mean, it's exactly what the thing looks like. I just, that really cracks me up because I. You know, if somebody kneels in the sand and makes you a sketch, I mean, it's going to look like a stick figure or something. Well, you know? at I mean, the same time, they just be... described it to him. He was draw- he was drawing it from someone's description, too. Right. So it's like... <laughs> I love it. Um, let's see. Last one here. All right. Page 13 near the very end. It's where uh, Han and Cheeto go to the supply store to buy something, shovels or something. Mm-hmm. And Cheeto is saying, uh, our leaders hope once the Stanaxes, oh, that's what you call them, Stanaxes, I guess. Okay. Once the Stanaxes are favorably uh, <laughs> disposed towards us, to convince them to throw off the Imperial yoke and become our allies. They call them other things, though. You'll, you'll see. Right, the yeah. Like they're called Stenosins or something at some point, too. But let me let me see if I got this straight. So you're telling me... That there's a rebel base on this planet somewhere where the natives aren't even part of the rebel alliance. How do, how the hell does that work? So I thought it was just going to be like a little safe house. I thought it was just sort of like, you know, a little hideout where the rebels could keep tabs. You know, just sort of to be there on the planet because 
it's obviously got Imperial something going on there because there's, you know, Imperials hanging around there. So is it like a – does that make it almost like a sort of like embassy or something? But, I mean, these are rebels. I mean, how how are you keeping the Stanaxes from turning them in? You know what I mean? If, well, if the, the Stanaxes, Stanaxes don't, they don't seem to give a shit. They, no, they, they seem don't. to just ignore everybody that's there. It seems to be that there's a lot of other people there either as a hideout place or as a tourist spot or something. Right. But it seems like you can pretty much just go there. And as long as you don't start, as long as you're not like, as long as you sort of ignore the populace, they'll sort of ignore you. you know? Right. They'll sell you a drink, but they'll glare at you. But at the same time, they'll let you just sort of do whatever you want and not pay attention to you. Which is weird, but, you know, it's it's sort of cool because it's a weird culture that nobody understands. Right, <laughs> you know? yeah. Well, last thing I got on this one, I really uh, I really like um, the new characters that are introduced in this. And uh, I swear to God, I'm going to uh, get to the uh, my my the rest of my synopsis regarding uh, or review rather the rest of my review regarding the uh, AC Crispin uh, Han Solo trilogy. But Rick Duell was actually in that. Oh, really? I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I mean, he's not given much to do, and it's kind of a background thing. And if you didn't know who the character was, then it was just kind of like a, you know, it was almost like just a name in a book, you know what I mean? Yeah. But if you knew who he was, then it made it that much cooler. Because not only was he there in one part, but um, Dash Rendar was there too. And I always saw Dash Rendar as very much just Rick Duel of a different name, you know? So I thought that was cool that both of those characters were actually brought in in one sequence in the in that Han Solo trilogy so yeah so Rick Duell is actually uh, graduated to the larger uh, Star Wars EU as well so I think that's pretty cool makes sense yeah that's all I got on this one are we ready for the uh, for the last issue for this it's episode all yours yeah alright attention people of earth do not resist us all who oppose us shall be annihilated we command the most powerful army of monsters in the universe. They are sure to defeat your Earth monsters. All those who are hearing this are now under the control of the Earth Destruction Directive. 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 Hey you! Yes you! Hearing this message. Do you like podcasts? Well evidently you do because you're listening to one right now. Do you like giant monsters? Of course you do! Who doesn't like giant monsters? Well then, have I got the show for you! Earth Destruction Directive is the newest Daikaiju podcast on the internet. And we talk about all your old favorites, like Godzilla, Rodan, King Ghidorah, and Gamera. But also lesser known monsters, like Gappa, Yangari, and Giawa. We cover everything, from movies, to comic books, to video games, and we're kicking it old school at earthdestructiondirective.blogspot.com Check it out, won't you? And remember, the EDD has got their eyes on you! 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 Join David Ellis and Amy Morgan as they access 2099 Bitmap. 
bi-weekly podcast exploring the world of Marvel 2099, the reviews and discussions. Download 2099 Bitmap at www.tfradio.net. Geeking the Geek is a podcast for the geek and everyone. Please join your host, Peregrine and D-Man, each week as they discuss all the things that geek guys love to talk about from the sci-fi, fantasy, and comic genres. For movies, TVs, comics, novels, and games, seek out Definitive of Geek. Available on iTunes or at DefinitiveGeek.automatic.com. So, last, ep- uh, last issue for this episode... Star Wars number 71. This is the May 1983 issue. Now, May 1983 is when the movie came out, but uh, we're still quite a ways from the movie yet, so I'm not sure how that works. I I guess they were just that far ahead with the issues. Anyway, a great, great cover on this one. You know, I gotta be honest, I'm not crazy about either one of the covers on the other issues we've covered for, for this episode, but this cover... I love this is one of my favorites. I'm not just being a dick, but this is my least favorite of the three covers. Is it really? Yeah, I'm not trying to be like a contrarian or a, or whatever, but yeah, this one works Wow the least for me. It's maybe wow. the lack of any background. I don't like the sort of that could be. flat green background in it, but Well And Han Solo looks a little like Emmett Kelly, the sad clown. (laughs) I was going to say something about that, but I have a theory about that that we we can get back to. It's the lighting of his face, I think. But, But, yeah. But, no, I really like it. He's got a big old crown on. I love Luke's outfit. I really, really like his outfit. And then Lando... He looks a little weird, but I still really like the the pose. that His face looks a little funny. But I really like the pose he's got. But it's really cool. It's, It's... we're looking at, I, I presume this is supposed to be like a carbonite freezing chamber or something, but the, the carbonite block of Han Solo is standing behind them, and then Luke you know, has his lightsaber ignited. It has a really cool, it's a black outfit with a yellow vest on, and then his boots are like his, I guess they're like his Bespin fatigue boots, I think. I don't know. And then Lando has his, uh, pretty much his standard Lando outfit on. And he's like crouched with his blaster up, and it's really great. It just says, "The quest for Han Solo ends here." I really like that. I think that's cool. Original cover price still just uh, sixty cents. Credits for this one: we got Joe Duffy. She's dropped the Mary off her name, so it's just Joe Duffy. Uh, script and plot: Ron Friends. Breakdown: Ron Friends. Tom Palmer finishes. Joe Regin. Letters: Christy. How would you pronounce this? Sheel Shell. Shield? I think it's Shield. I don't know. S C H E E L E. Shield. I'm going to say Shield. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean. Colors? Shield? Shield. <laughs> Shield O'Neill. There you go. Uh, Louise Jones, editor, and Jim Shooter, editor in chief. Story is entitled Return to Stenos. So we open to a splash page of Luke Skywalker and Lando Calrissian huddled over the uh, Millennium Falcon's holographic chess table as R2-D2 projects images of Bosk and IG-88 onto its surface. So readers just joining the storyline are brought up to speed on why the Star Warriors are looking for this pair. And after plans are laid and weapons are checked, 
Luke and Lando proceed outside the ship and into the Stenaxian nighttime, leaving behind R2-D2 and one pissed-off Chewbacca, because Chewie wants to join them on the mission, but he can't join them for fear that he'll be recognized by the natives. So Luke and Lando proceed into the capital city, and Luke is amazed by how different the place looks. Not only is the place bigger and better kept now, but it is virtually overrun by alien races. Now, alien as in not Stenaxis. The natives, having regained the right to fly after their god was recovered, have taken to the sky once again and live in the high places, removed from the affairs of the aliens in their midst. Luke wonders how they're ever going to find two bounty hunters in a population this size, but Lando says to leave that to him. Where else would pirates and smugglers and any other serious businessmen eventually wind up but the local bar? (laughs) Leave everything to me, Lando advises. And he chides Luke that his usual blunding direct approach might get them spotted and recognized. But no sooner are the words out of Lando's mouth when someone recognizes him. It's an old acquaintance of his by the name of Drebbel a rich, fat human that Lando has apparently swindled sometime in the past. (laughs) The fat man calls for the heads of Luke and Lando for a big, fat reward, a reward that the many, many patrons of the bar are more than happy to pursue. So a blaster fight immediately breaks out, and eventually our heroes find themselves pinned down behind an overturned bar table where Luke spots Bosk fleeing the scene. Luke takes matters into his own hands, employing his lightsaber and Jedi training to bring the house down, literally. He hacks through a main support strut for the ceiling and brings it crashing down. He and Lando take off in hot pursuit of their quarry, but somehow the Trandoshan manages to elude them. Meanwhile, Drebbel swears out double the bounty on the pair, and that draws the interest of IG-88. Luke and Lando, lost and on the run from the bar crowd, accidentally get separated, and after ducking into a darkened room, Luke finds himself face-to-face with Rick Duel. And where Duel goes, Danny isn't far behind. Duel tells Luke that he, Danny, and their missing Rodian partner, Cheeto, survived Han Solo's double cross that we were witness to last issue by sicking the Stenaxes on Matron, the uh, Imperial Governor. The trio decide to let bygones be bygones as Rick asks Luke for his help with a problem that he and Danny are having. Luke agrees, but we never do learn what that problem is because the trio is no sooner outside. I think Space Viagra would would solve it is what I think the problem is. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's Rick's problem. He's he's the opposite (laughs) of Han Solo in every way. <laughs> the trio no sooner steps outside and begins walking down the dark alleys of the city when a whisper from a doorway catches Luke's attention. It's Lando, and he has news. Incredible news. Forget Bosk, he says. He's found Han Solo. Following the gambler, Luke comes uh, to the end of an alley and ducks around it cautiously, just in time to witness a pair of thugs. Uh, escorting a hovering object, a carbonite block. The sight catches Luke off guard, and a swirl of emotions for the plight of his pal hits him pretty hard. But Lando snaps him out of it. They're going to rescue Han, 
right now. First they radio Chewie with the good news, and then it's on to tricking, sneaking, and fighting their way into a bounty hunter's lair where they find the carbonite block standing in the middle of a room facing away from them. Luke rushes around the block to ensure that Han is alright when the pair realize, to their horror and dismay, That's not Han, says Lando. It's Cheeto, says Luke. And you're surrounded, says Bosk, with a legion of lackeys and his pal IG-88 at his side, all of them aiming their blasters at our stunned heroes. Of course. Next issue, Fool's Bounty. And I just gotta say, I freaking love this issue. It's got, uh, it's a great story. The art's fantastic beginning to end, but this cliffhanger, holy shit that they roped me in when I was a kid. I totally fell for it, man. And that last page when they, they round the corner and it was Cheeto, I was like, oh my god, that's awesome. It's, it's total comic book uh, comic book the moment of mm-hmm. of the cover has lot co- Comic books... There obviously isn't a law that says comic books have to have truth in advertising on their cover. Right. Because every comic is like, now, finally, Superman is dead. Ha ha ha. Right. I've crushed his skull. And this one is like, the quest for Han Solo ends here. Well, no, it it doesn't at all. Not one bit. (laughs) For the time being, it does. Sort of. Well, it ends here if they all end up dead or something, but that ain't going to happen either. Spoiler. that ending, though, does kind of, I think, owe back to the cover. And why Han looks the way he does on the cover is that, arguably, that ain't Han. It's not Han. <laughs> it, it could be it's a far Cheeto. It's cry from Cheeto. It is. Well, I think it is. I'm telling you, it might be Frankenstein, too. <laughs> it does kind of look like Frankenstein, actually. <laughs> it's got the boots, the clodhopper boots, and the... The sort of the sort of workman the the sort of workman's coveralls, you know, <laughs> holding his hands in front of him like a zombie. Now that you know what's been a nice crossover. <laughs> oh, I would, uh, you know, something I would love for us to cover sometime. God, this is so far off subject, but uh, did you ever read Marvel's uh, Frankenstein title? A law when I was a kid. Man, I loved those shit. when I was a kid. Oh man. Mal, God, uh, I forgot Val all about Eric. those till you just yeah. till you just mentioned it. I think it starts out as Plug, who I like, but what got me on those and like uh, oh, there was some other horror title too was the Val Mayerick art on those is just oh my god it's awesome. Oh, we we really need to cover that. There's, there's another super comic book moment in this in this comic at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. When they're looking at the holograms of Bosk and IG-88, when all of a sudden this is what the comic book, when the characters become little kids, the little kids who are supposed to read the comic, and right after they look at the, the holograms, like Lando whips out his blaster. When I find those guys, I'm going to blast them with my blaster. And Luke's like, oh, yeah, <laughs> when I find them, and he whips out his lightsaber and lights <laughs> it up, I'm going to chop them up with my lightsaber. And then, you know, Lando puts his hand on his shoulder and is like, yep. <laughs> we sure are, kid. You know, yeah. Now, who's gonna whip out their lightsaber and go? I'm gonna chop him up, you know. But it's, I had it's, a thought. Now, granted, they're on the the surface of the planet this particular instance. But if I was Han or you know Lando, if basically if I was the guy flying any ship that Luke was in, 
I'd get really nervous when he pulled his lightsaber out. I mean, exactly. that thing could punch a, right through the hull of the ship. A vacuum of space waiting outside. You don't, right. you don't fuck with that, man. <laughs> Put that thing away. Come on, kid. I got the safety on of my blaster, at least. Jesus right. Christ. <laughs> I'm just whipping it out. I'm just waving it around. You don't have to light that thing up. Jesus Christ. Especially Lando, because Lando's still in that sketchy, you know, I guess they like him by now, but there's probably still a little bit of resentment there. My great Star Wars moment in this is when IG-88 perks up at the bar. Yeah. You can totally, like his lights light up on his eyes. You can totally see that scene as being like uh, a shot of the camera coming in on him, his head turning and like, Bleep, 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 bleep. The light's coming on. It's a total Star Wars moment. I could totally see it animated in the Clone Wars series. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? Yeah. That whole sequence of just like, and I'll double the bounty. Bleep, 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 bleep. I love that. Radar. Yeah, this, I, is, this is just a great, a great adventure story. Very much so. And I love towards the end the way they dr- – Lando starts getting crazy face at the end because he's really happy to get Han. There's there's one where it looks like it's kind of a long story and then Lando has total crazy face. He goes, then forget it. And his eyes are all like <laughs> – but it's great. It's totally like Lando. He's all excited. He's like, come on. I, got, I found Han, you know. I like uh, – <laughs> I, I, I caught some, something I thought was a really good catch. Page six, and it's the page where they first go to the bar. And uh, the first panel there, you've got this Tenaxon as a bartender, which is just the silliest thing. Yeah. And the the you know Luke and Lando belly up to the bar. <laughs> like there's I'll a guy Hesh is having. Yeah, exactly. There's a guy <laughs> passed out on the bar, and Lando says, "I have whatever that unconscious guy is having." It's but a, look, it's a, du- look it's a double white. It's a double white. It's the same thing they gave to that that Jawa that Bosque was hanging out with that made his that made him into an albino ba- Jawa. Yeah, it's like six feet tall. Yeah, exactly. I noticed that too. It's the burliest. Like, <laughs> but look behind Luke right there in that scene. The guy who's sitting at the at the wooden table back there. That is totally the mirror master. You know who I'm talking about? I have no idea who the Mirror Master is. <laughs> okay. Look up the Mirror Master sometime and tell me if that's not the Mirror Master. It's totally his outfit, I swear. Now, granted, <laughs> that's a DC character and not a Marvel character, but still, I'll be damned if that's not the Mirror Master. I thought that was funny. Um, you know, a- a- as is typical, when I really, really, really love an issue, I not have like to the say about barest it? of notes... But I tell you one thing I really do like. I love the the coloring decisions that were made in the sequence where, you know, Luke Luke and Lando are they're fleeing from the crowd and Luke literally like ducks in the first door he finds. And you know, he's like doing the, you know, barely creeping the door open so he can see the the crowd run past him. Then he realizes he's not alone. So he ignites his lightsaber and holds it over his head you know it's a great pose and he's just you know totally ready to cut down whoever might threaten him in the dark and it turns out that it's rick and danny i love the coloring in this especially when danny you know sneaks up behind luke and first she's got her arms around him well, it's and then just she, blue and white yeah yeah it's but it's beautiful i mean it, it really looks like how 
a room lit just by Luke's lightsaber might look. Yeah, you only I, see things within a couple feet of him. You see yeah. him sort of emerge out of the shadows. Yeah. To wow. hump yeah. his leg. Yeah. Once again, but prominently featured. And Luke is insane not to be hitting that. Mm-hmm. Especially from what we find out in Jedi, man. He should have been up and down <laughs> that action many times. He had nothing to lose. Luke is like the Jordy uh, of this Marvel star because he has so many chances. And I, you know, I don't want to spoil things, but I don't think Luke ever does get laid in this entire 107 issues plus. <laughs> I just don't think he does, and that's a shame because he has some hot, hot women the, the, through the, the entire series. the yeah the entire Star Wars saga. Luke is like yeah, Luke doesn't get nothing. He gets a couple couple kisses but they're from his goddamn sister <laughs> i don't know maybe him maybe he and uh and shira it's, it's did, a wonder but... he didn't go to the dark side come on <laughs> i can see the, the emperor should have been just like we have porn and women here come to the dark side luke we know what you've been doing at night. We can get real. We can secure real imperial women for you. <laughs> real women that aren't related to you. I love this though. I'm just. I'm just looking at the at the part where, what you what you were talking about when when Lando comes and finds Luke and he's just like, I found him. I got. I found Han. It's ah. Oh. Yeah. This oh, it just and, totally roped me in as a kid. It just it just really did and. Even knowing where this was going, it, it didn't lessen the impact or the enjoyment for me rereading it. I mean, I'm still a total sucker for that last page. It's a, it's a splash. It's a full-page splash where they realize, shit, that's not Han. And then they're surrounded by, by Bosk and IG, IG-88 and all their men. That's just like, ah, love it. Love it. Back to the Space thing. Viagra. Don't you notice that, isn't there, that, that that one scene where, like, you know, she's like, I've been all alone here, and Rick's like, I've been here too, and she's like, yeah, whatever, Rick. Right. Whatever, well, limp Rick. Well, they're they're partners. Yeah, know, they're, but they're she's, a, yeah, but, yeah, but she's all about the booty, you know, that's part of her race, is they're born horny, and, you know, you look at Rick. He's not a, you know, he's a swashbuckling pirate guy. He's Han Solo with a grotee, you know. You'd think she could, uh, um, why do I keep, why do I keep forgetting the name of her race? Zeltron. Zeltron, yeah. You you know, there's Zeltrons. They're hot and horny. And she's just like, whatever. There must be, there must be something there. Maybe, maybe he and Cheetah were an item or something. I that don't know. Could be. He could, yeah, there, there could be a little bit. He could be a little light. This space loafers. We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I but, just uh, noticed that there's an ad on the back for that an incredibly shit game, uh, Star Wars Jedi Arena. I didn't oh, even bother yeah. owning this, and it was a Star Wars. Well, game. you look at it, and it looks just like two turtles, like swinging baseball, like wiffle ball bats at each yeah. other from the top, is what it looks like. Yeah, because we've learned our lesson on Star Wars. Star Wars games did not games had a lot of catching up to do with Star Wars. You know, yeah, but I, I mean, didn't get interested is... in Star Wars games till the last decade or so, when you know. 
But this was only like the second or, or third Star Wars game there ever even was up to this point. So I should have been all over this, but you know, it looked it, terrible. And, we, looked, and by this yeah. time, by this time, we sort of knew what to expect from twenty six hundred games, which is you know wild, you know wildly varying from the fucking most horrible to a great game to the most horrible thing you've ever tried to play you know to, from you know something so, something like the empire game which was actually pretty good when you were fighting the adats to right. et or raiders of the lost ark or fucking riddle of the sphinx <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean you know, it has a nice nice um nice artwork of luke um yeah you know but Fighting the uh, seeker or what, what is that? What they're called seekers? Oh yeah, it says right here. Yeah, seeker. And, and and on the inside cover, it's got the uh, the ad for Lock and Chase, which was another really kind of bland game. I don't remember that game. I, I, I remember playing it a couple times, and it was just a crappy Pac-Man. I like the ad rip-off. though because it totally reminds me of that part in Yellow Submarine where yes. the Beatles and all the monsters are like cutting back and forth. You know, it's like a Scooby Doo moment. You yeah. know, yeah, yeah. The once again, the ad being better than the <laughs> than the game, than the actual yeah. game itself. Yeah, this is true. You know, something I just thought of. I, I really want to make a, a point. Oh, by the way, I love the uh, the Marvel Universe ad with Uatu going. You know, he's reading Marvel Universe. He says, "I didn't know that. I must have blinked." I thought that was funny. But uh, you know, we we talked at length about how awesome you know Tom Palmer is, and and how he was you know he was the bridge and he was the glue that that held this this era of the series together you know, visually and all that. But I, I think that we really need to uh, to sing the praises of Joe Duffy because I'll tell you what, you know, if I didn't see her name at the top of the, the credits in these two issues, I I, I could have totally been sold that it was still Another Michelini, Michelini writing. Yeah. yeah, because, I mean, it, w- it was a seamless transition. She, she captured well, the... The, the humor and the drama, everything that he well, had already they, been doing. They, I think it, just before these comics, this run started, I think they assessed the Star Wars comic and said, what is it that's not working in this? And they're going, well, you know, we're changing artists and writers and it's just inconsistent. But now we've got two movies to work on. You know, let's try to keep it visually. They just put a total effort into tying keeping it tied together at all times you know and keeping the the um the quality up and you see it you 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 see it you know it from Mm -hmm. from this point on and i i I think they did that i'd like to think they did that purposely it seems like they did because it it certainly is working out and and they have had people switching around in there but it's been staying right on target every time you know right so absolutely well that's all I got on this one got anything else I got too cool 
So next time around, we'll be looking at issues uh, 72, 3, and 4. So definitely uh, come back and join us for that, because that'll be some good stuff, too. We'll wrap up the rest of this. uh, Get to find out what happens with Cheeto, although who really cares (laughs) with Cheeto? (laughs) Maybe we'll get to find out what happens when carbonite freezing goes wrong. That would be cool. I I honestly can't remember. I'm trying to remember what the fate of Cheeto is, and I really don't recall. So yeah, this will be be fun. Plus, uh, stick around and uh, I'll have some audio for you of, uh, of the new Star Tours yeah. and uh, Q and a couple of, a couple of different uh, ride scenarios. So enjoy I haven't that. heard that yet, so I'm looking forward to that, too. Ooh. You can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, Tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode, with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy, and there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. Anytime you plan to visit Amazon.com, please be aware that if you use the Amazon.com link located on our website www.twotruefreaks.libson.com Two True Freaks will receive a referral bonus for any items you purchase. There is absolutely no additional cost to you whatsoever for doing this. All proceeds go directly toward keeping new episodes of all your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated podcasts rolling and it really helps us out. So please, use our Amazon.com link anytime you plan to visit Amazon.com and thank you. We sincerely appreciate it. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.libson.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. Libson is spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Join our forum at forumforgeeks.com where you can discuss all of the shows on our feed with us and your fellow listeners. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. And hey, you can friend me, Scott Gardner, on Facebook too. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. You can friend me on Facebook too, if you can find me. Now available, Two True Freaks t-shirts. See our website for details. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com, where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com slash league. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening, and join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. Attention please. Galactic Security would like to remind you to keep carry-on luggage and packages with you at all times. Never accept packages from any life form or droid you are not familiar with. We must all be vigilant. Oh, he's here. Oh, he's here.
They can't look suspicious of me at all. Strange, perhaps, but your captain skews up. Sometimes he can be a bit too vigilant. Stop being captain, 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 to work. Don't be leaving this transport any moment. What do you mean? You are doing all the work, you ungrateful little twigs. I've just about had enough of you. Your attention, please. Galactic regulations state that all interplanetary travelers present a current passport and the necessary visas prior to leaving the spaceport. Passengers requiring assistance should visit the nearest spaceport information kiosk. Thank you. Star Tours is now offering convenient daily departures to the tranquil planet of Naboo. Visit historic landmarks in the capital city of Fiji. You might even catch a glimpse of the recently elected Queen of Naboo. Or, if you crave adventure, you won't want to miss a tour of the once-hidden Gungan City. Then, run a bongo and take your entire family through the mysterious planet core. Whatever your desire, you'll find it on Naboo. Non-stop flights depart daily, so don't delay. Visit Naboo today. Ah, no, oh, a most beautiful planet. But frankly, how do I find the guns can be rather annoying? They're not just junk, huh? All of them. Our services to Star Tours 
Mount at least we're safe, Artu. Attention, the current security threat has been raised to level 5. Which reminds me, I suggest we run a diagnostic of the shield defenses. Better to be safe than solid. Attention, we are now ready to begin pre-boarding for flight 6017 non-stop service to Coruscant. All passengers traveling with young wings may board at this time. We will begin general boarding in just a few minutes. Thank you. What is it now, Otto? with a hyperdrive motivator. Well, fix it and hurry. Don't insult me, Mother Ben Scrapile. At least I'm doing my job. Yes, I am. So just you get back to fixing that hyperdrive motivator.
I know exactly what I'm doing. Don't you worry about me. 1401, I'm getting a critical reading on your laser cannon. Shut down, immediately. Oh no! Oh, what have I done? We're doomed! Deactivate the hand circuit! Now disconnect the water!
Please pick up the nearest white courtesy comm link. Passenger Mark Warren to the nearest white courtesy comm link. Thank you. Attention. The lost and unclaimed baggage center is located on level one. Bags may only be claimed by showing your receipt to the spaceport baggage attendant during regular operating hours. Thank you. Attention please. All droids leaving the system must be cleared by customs control. Proof of ownership is required for all droid passengers. Proof of ownership? We droids are made to suffer such indignities. Good shot, Jana. You're the yum yum Padme Judo, Hippie Piggy Endo, Judo Hippie Piggy, Kukan Soto Hatch, Marriage Miyashi, and the Coruscant, 
closely guided tour of the Imperial Senate and watch the Guardians of Peace and Justice in action. Then, be sure to explore the skyways and byways of the megalopolis that never sleeps, Imperial City. The streets are alive with state-sanctioned excitement at every hour of the day and night. Enjoy a night at the opera or party all night long in Coruscant's famous club district. It's all waiting for you on Coruscant. Non-stop flights depart daily. Consult the Star Tours ticket agent for further details.
think it looks suspicious to me at all. Strange. You'll have to excuse us. Sometimes you can hear what you get in. I must really love my job. 
they tell me I need a vacation, but vacations are for the week. Son, enjoy your vacation. You know, for a lot of security droids, it's just a job. But for me, it's just a job. Keep it moving. There you go. Humans and humanoids, I'd like to report that all flights are on time today. I'd like to report that, but I actually have no information regarding your flights. Sorry. Oh. I'm supposed to report any suspicious-looking humanoids, but you all look suspicious to me. Okay. Human. 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 Now, wait. How do I know you're not a shape-shifting Claudite? Seriously, how do I know? I don't. That's it. Move along. There you go. Nice. Sometimes powerful brainwave activity can interfere with my scanner, so please try to clear your mind as you are being scanned. Excellent job, sir. Your mind is a complete blank. carry-on items be safely stowed beneath your seats. To fasten your restraint, use the yellow strap to pull the belt out from the right side of the seat and snap the belt into the buckle on your left. For your safety, remain seated throughout your flight with your restraints securely fastened. And please watch your children. Para su seguridad, permanezcan sentados con el cinturón de seguridad ajustado y cuiden a los pequeñitos. Do not put on your flight glasses until instructed to do so by a crew member. One final reminder, smoking and photography are never permitted on any Star Tours flight. If you have any questions, don't hesitate to ask a Star Tours agent. You'll be boarding in just a few moments. Thank you. Please prepare for immediate boarding. Star Tours 1401, you are cleared for departure. Initiate takeoff sequence. What? New takeoff sequence initiated. R2D2, what's going on here? We are not ready for takeoff. The captain isn't on board yet. You know I can't find this thing. No, neither can you. We need a proper pilot. All transport, all for security. Uh, those stormtroopers will be deactivated for sure. Hold it right there, Captain. No, no, I'm not actually the Captain. We're looking for this rebel spy. Have you seen her? No one on this transport could possibly be a spy. Here, this is the speeder we're looking for. One of those. Did you lose our part, too?
道啊，都不会看得出来。这里有臭不臭的嘴，兄弟。Captain has opened the exit doors. You may then unlatch your safety restraints by pressing the release button on your left. Make sure you have all your personal belongings as you exit. Thank you for flying Star Tours. Goodbye.
you working today? No. <laughs> no, no, no. It's a good thing because I am exhausted. Several in like each one that I haven't haven't gotten. Wow.
I am Princess Leia of Alderaan. We've placed a rebel spy vital to the survival of the rebellion into your star speeder. You must see her safely delivered to the coordinates I'm transmitting to your R2 unit. Someone's desperate. Help me start to us. You're my only hope. Uh, only hope. What do you mean we'll be making a slight detour? Well, you miss actually. Wait! Well, this can't be right. You can run, but you can't. Oh. Not from me. safety restraints by pressing the release button on your left. Make sure you have all your personal belongings as you exit. Thank you for flying Star Tours. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> 